Section 20 of Stories of the First American Animals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christopher Hoving, Portland, Michigan. Stories of the First American Animals by George Langford. Toto, the Non-Progressive, Part 1. Kion the Bear Dog sat upon his haunches, gazing gloomily into the distance at a group of slowly moving figures. These were horses, and he regretted exceedingly that they had chosen to congregate on the farther bank of the river beyond his reach. There was really nothing of the bear about him, except his size and clumsiness, he being a gigantic, slow-footed dog, although a powerful one, one able to hold his own with most any creature. However, a flesh-eater as slow-moving as he would find it difficult to catch such animals as should have contributed to his larder. Kain had found them most elusive, and so he did not fare as well as he might. His had been a carrion diet, except on rare occasions, when a bit of rare good fortune brought some sick or disabled creature within his grasp. The time had been when bear dogs, in general, made an easy living, but that time had passed. Rhinoceri and other ponderous animals had disappeared, and their places were taken by hardier and more active individuals, such as the horse, camel, and deer. The latter were too swift-footed for the bear dog, hence his gloom as he watched the herd of horses moving about on the other side of the river. They had but recently come there from the plains country to drink and bathe. The plains country had once been a fertile region, resplendent with forests and green pastures, but gradually lowering temperature and ever-dwindling rainfall had produced marked changes. The trees were gone, and of the meadows only scattered grass tufts and a few stunted plants remained. In marked contrast was the forest side of the river, where the rapidly disappearing vegetation had made its last stand. It too had suffered from the ravages of time, having retreated a quarter mile or more from the water. Here stood the old guard, tall oaks, shagbarks, and other hardy trees serving as outposts to protect the luxurious vegetation behind them from further inroads of the plains. The ground between forest and river sloped gently downward. Although bare of trees, it was covered with long grass and dotted with clumps of bushes. The bear dog was a forest animal, while the horses were dwellers of the plains. The former would have sought a closer acquaintance with the latter, but as the plains country gave flesh-eaters little opportunity to conceal themselves and creep unobserved upon their fleet-footed prey, Kyan had long since given up trying and kept to his own side of the river. While squatting among the bush clumps, inwardly berating the elusiveness of animals in general, his attention was suddenly drawn from the distant horses to a solitary figure standing out upon the skyline, just beyond the forest's edge, only a few hundred yards away. The figure was that of a plump, short-legged animal, recently emerged from some hiding place among the trees. No doubt he was on his way to the river, and had paused to make a brief survey of his surroundings realizing that a journey down the slopes would expose him to such enemies as might be lurking in the neighborhood. The bear dog sank full length upon the ground, thereby making himself as inconspicuous as possible. His mouth watered, for he had noted the stranger's plumpness, and short legs were not suggestive of speed. Here was fresh meat in the person of a slow-footed creature of the bear dog's class. Kyan was prepared to crawl upon the unknown and surprise him with a sudden dash when, like a flash, his prospective victim wheeled halfway around and came tearing along the slopes on a course parallel to the river. Apparently the plump stranger had no suspicion of danger lying in his path, for his line of flight led directly to the crouching bear dog. 
Kyan growled softly and licked his chops. A lucky turn of fate promised to result in something greatly to his advantage. The reason for it soon became manifest. A chorus of howls was borne upon the breeze, and the next moment a score of wolf-like forms appeared, racing madly after the fugitive and voicing their hungry eagerness with the yelps and howls. The bear-dog's mouth expanded in a fiendish grin. The Dehols, he leered. They are hunting the quarry down, but this feast is not for them. Too long have I had to be content with their leavings, but now it is my turn. And he waited patiently while his cousins of the bush fast drove the morsel into his open jaws. The fugitive was now near enough to give Kyan a clear view of him, a round-bodied, stumpy-legged beast, who might have passed for a small rhinoceros except for his nose, which was long and flexible, like an elephant's trunk, although much shorter. He held it uplifted, and his mouth was wide open as he put forth his best efforts to escape. That he could or would escape seemed unlikely, for the long-limbed bush-dogs already threatened both flanks, thereby preventing him from reaching either forest or river. He was making a last frantic effort to avoid the snapping jaws close behind him, when suddenly a new enemy loomed before him in the person of a gigantic dog. With an agility most surprising for such an apparently clumsy animal, he veered sharply and leapt, the two motions resulting in a side-dive which landed him in a clump of bushes. His pursuers, unable to check their momentum, collided violently with the bear-dog, whose presence had escaped their notice in the excitement of the moment. It all happened too quickly and unexpectedly to permit of any explanations. Each faction tore loose, with tooth and claw, Kyan holding the center of the stage, with the infuriated de holes slashing at him from every side. It was a battle royal, such as he would have been glad to avoid, but, being hopelessly in it and becoming enraged by his snarling tormentors, he struck out valiantly and gave as good as he got. He was a powerful beast, and when once his fangs and claws were working properly, the de holes were content to give him plenty of room. They backed off hurriedly, but in good order, all set to renew the conflict if pressed too closely, and yet more than willing to let matters rest without further argument. The bear-dog felt similarly inclined, and, although the opposing parties made much ado of yapping and snarling at each other, the battle ended then and there, with no great damage to either side. The Deholes finally drew off the way they had come, and Kyan betook himself to his former station on the slopes, there to lick his numerous bites and growl his resentment at the departing Deholes for their stupidity. The tender morsel so nearly within his reach was gone and it began to look as though his last chance to eat of his own kill had gone with it. A carrion-eater he had been, and a carrion-eater he would remain, no doubt, for the rest of his life. These were his bitter reflections, and the Deholes were in an equally unhappy frame of mind, as they slouched off with their tails striking behind them. Suddenly, every one of them turned half around, with ears held at attention and eyes directed toward the scene of the recent encounter. From his place near the timberline, the eyes of Kyan were drawn in the same direction. The bushes had rustled and parted, to permit the exit of a plump, short-legged animal. There he was, coming out exactly where he went in. The holes and bear-dog gasped at such audacity, even while cursing their own stupid forgetfulness. With the unexpected clash of the two factions, it was a case of out of sight, out of mind. He had disappeared in the excitement of the moment, and was forgotten entirely. That he had made good use of his time, and got off scot-free was taken for granted. But, lo and behold, 
There he was again, bobbing up from where he had been lying low, awaiting his chance. His enemies, fools that they were, might be feasting now instead of throwing away their opportunity and going off hungry. It was too much to be borne. The Holes and Bear Dog both made haste to remedy their error by renewing the chase. The former came tearing along the slopes, while Cayenne hurried to get ahead of them, for he was fully determined to do his own hunting this time and make a clean job of it. But the plump, short-legged animal had not emerged from his hiding place with the idea of being a target for his enemies. He had a good start, and his path to the river was now clear. Away he scampered, and, although the Deholes outran him two to one, his lead enabled him to reach the water first, and dash in just as the foremost of his pursuers arrived upon the bank. For an instant the Deholes hesitated. Then they plunged in, leaving the bear-dog sitting high and dry upon the bank, panting laboredly from his exertions. The river surface was now a turmoil of bobbing heads, for the Deholes, exasperated by their quarry's aversion to being made a meal of, were determined to get him then and there, or drown him rather than permit his outwitting them a second time. But the fugitive proved to be better at navigating than moving about on land, for he led his enemies a merry chase, permitting them to close, and then darting away like an arrow. He was as elusive as a fish, and his speed consumed so little effort that he appeared quite fresh, while the Deholes, now thoroughly exhausted, climbed out upon the bank to rest themselves. But that fat, short-legged animal must tire too in good time, they reasoned, and so, when he made as though to come ashore, they rushed out into the water and stood there, knee-deep, howling and yapping at him, and giving him no chance to recuperate. Such tactics promised ultimate success, and it would seem that the hard-beset swimmer must soon reach the end of his resources. He probably realized this, foreseeing that the fierce bush-dogs were determined to prevent his landing. He made a sudden, bold resolve. Turning his back upon the holes, he swam out into deep water and passed midstream. His course pointed to the river's farther shore, the borderline of arid wastes and vast desolation. It was a line which only those specially gifted could cross with impunity. But the swimmer had no choice. Fierce enemies thronged the bank, which he must reach before seeking safety in the forest. And so he kept on, a voyager ploughing through strange waters toward an unknown land, the country of the plains. End of section 20